Good morning, everyone. Welcome to New Fellowship Missionary Baptist Church Sunday School Podcast. My name is Deidre Peterson, and today is May 2nd, 2021. Today's lesson is called More Than Conqueror. The lesson text is Romans 8, verses 28 through 39. And I will begin by reading the scripture lesson text. If you have your Sunday school book, please follow along. If not, you can, you know, look in your Bible. I'll start reading at Romans 8, verse 28. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the call according to his purpose. Verse 29. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestine to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Verse 30. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. And whom he called, them he also justified. And whom he justified, them he also glorified. Verse 31. What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Verse 33, who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. Verse 34, who is that, who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. Verse 35, who shall separate us from the love of God? Shall tribulations, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Verse 37, nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that love us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come. And verse 39, nor height, nor death, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Today's golden text is, what shall we then say to these things, if God be for us, who can be against us? And that's Romans 8.31. Alright, and I am going to share this with you considering of the golden text. When I think of having courage, I often think of a character from a favorite movie. That character was on a journey seeking the courage to take his rightful place in life. What he did not realize was that the courage was already inside him. All he needed was a true test for it to come to the surface. There are times when we as believers act like that character. We tend to hesitate when it comes to stepping out in faith. We become timid about witnessing 
witnessing or we balk when we are given a task that seems too great for us. We allow our fears to rule us. Our English word courage derives from a Latin and then old French word meaning heart. It came to mean what is in one's heart, what a person thinks, and thus inner confidence. It implies a deep faith or confidence that is stalwart. This conviction is one that can withstand whatever happens. In this week's lesson text, Paul is trying to infuse a bit of his, his trait into his readers. He is reminding them, or reminding us, that we have access to courage as believers. We are all warriors in a very real spiritual battle. Every day we are fighting for ourselves, but also to help others see how they can be freed from the burden of sin. It is easy to feel defeated in this world. We look around at what is happening and see so much evil that we can quickly become downcast and balk at moving forward with God's purpose for our lives. We need courage to face each day. The The key to having the courage and confidence we need to overcome the challenges we face is to describe in our golden text. The golden text consists of two questions. The Apostle Paul presented, number one, he asked, what shall we then say to these things? It appears this question looks back to all the apostles had written in the book of Romans up to this point. How does one respond to this great truth that are set forth in those chapters? Truth related to justification by faith and the sanctification of believers. Now the second question is, if God be for us, who can be against us? Think about that. This is a rhetorical question, but it actually answers the first one. All that Paul has taught in the previous chapter gives us confidence to affirm that nothing can stand against those of us who know Christ. Certainly, there are people and forces that are against us. Satan and his followers opposes us, as does the world and the flesh. What Paul means, though it's that nothing can effectively stand against us, because God is with us. He is on our side. Now, this is evidence from the fact that he spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. Now, if he did this for us, Surely, he will give us all things, including the assurance that we will prevail against all opponents. We are on the winning side. When Jesus overcame death, he gained the victory for us. And that's 1 Corinthians 15, um, chapter 15, verse 57. And also, you can look at 1 John 5 and 4, because Jesus has already won. We can move forward from a position of triumph. I have a question for you. Are you hiding in a corner, letting your fears keep you from your calling? Are you in the midst of the battle, weary and in need of refreshment? Just remember this, that nothing can stand against you because God stands with you.
also God work, God's work in all things. Now in Romans 8, 28 is true. It's good doctrine, but many times we quote it to people when they are in the middle of a crisis. We mean well, of course, but in times of crisis, people often need others to just sit with them and listen to them. Now in Job 2.13, we read that Job's friend sat with him for seven days and said nothing to him because they saw that his grief, grief was very great. Now this is a wonderful model of ministry. Things did not go as well when they started talking. The great truth that all things work together for good to them that love God may may be more impactful when the person is through the crisis. Better still is for all of us to learn and remember this truth before a crisis ever arrives. Now also God knows all. This verse shows us that God knows all and is plan all things. Nothing happens that surprises God. We can depend on him to work all things for good because of the good he has already worked in our lives and will bring to completion. Verse that says God is for us in Romans 8 31 to 37. Verse 31 says it all. Now if God be for us who can be against us? We who are believers are aware that God is for us. We do not have to worry whether God is for us or not. We know that he is because of his promises. We live in a spiritual world. There are demonic powers and evil people here on the earth who are against us. They want to trip us up. They want to destroy and hurt us. But God is for us. He has our best interests in mind. In times of discouragement, it is important to recall the times when we experience God's love in a special way. Still today, the Jews remember and celebrate the Passover. They remember that God brought them out of the bondage in Egypt. They reflect on God's parting the Red Sea. Today, Christians remember the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ when they take Holy Communion, the Lord's Supper. It is important to encourage ourselves and one another by recalling how God was for us and is always for us. Now in verse 33, Paul mentions God's elect. Now if we are believers, we are part of God's elect. We can take great comfort in this. God has justified us and no one can condemn us. Now in verse 35, the apostle lists seven things that will not separate us from the love of Christ. Most of us would not have to worry about famine or nakedness, but sadly, some believers in our world do struggle with these issues. But regardless of what we have to deal with, Christ's love is with us and for us. Now, Psalms 44, verse 22, is quoted in Romans 8:36 to show that God's people should expect hardships. Now, as Paul reminds us, however, though, through Christ, we are more than conquerors. That's verse 37. We are not overcome by such troubles, but stand firm in the Lord's love for us. Now, the verse of Romans 8, verses 38 to 39, God's love, 
the last two verses of this chapter list 10 things that will not come between us and the love of God. The list is broad enough to include everything. In other words, nothing can separate us from the love of God. Now, many people speak about God's love, but Paul spoke of it as God's love, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. This is not just a generic love from God. It is a love expressed through the sending of his son, Jesus Christ, to die for us. We are safe with God, for he has loved us in Christ justified us and made us his own now this is the heart of the lesson but I just wanted to share that with you because at times we don't really know God's plan for us but just know this his plan is victorious and as long as we continue to walk by faith and not by sight and trust God in everything that we do we definitely will be victorious Now, this week's lesson continues where the previous lesson ended from last week when Paul discussed suffering as a Christian. He mentioned that we groan in expectations for the future redemptions of our body. We learn that while we wait, we have comfort from the Holy Spirit. Now, Paul seeks to encourage believers about their victory and security in Christ. Christians are empowered to become like Christ and him we are guaranteed an overwhelming victory. That is truly something amazing to hear. I also wanted to share this with you. Um, And it starts out talking about um, a construction. It says, during the construction of a large building, the early stages can look disorganized. Old bricks and rubble are scattered throughout the job site. Huge mounds of dirt can be seen as builders prepare the foundation. Stacks of bricks, wood, and metal take up considerable space. Forklifts, flatbed, trucks, earth movers can be seen driving around. To people watching, it looks like a complete chaos. They have little idea what the final result will look like. However, the architect that designed the building has a clear vision The architect has predetermined how the building will look in the end. Now, God is the architect of your salvation. He has planned every detail of our redemption from start to finish. At times, we may not understand his plan. Sometimes, events in our lives may feel like chaos. But however, God has predetermined our victory. In the end, we will be conformed to the image of Christ. Now isn't that interesting? And that is definitely something good to know. And I also wanted to share with you a section in here about the redeemed to be like Christ. And that's Romans 8, 28 to 30. Now this section, it begins with one of the most beloved phrases in the New Testament. All things work together for good to them that love God. Now, Christians are those who love God. We love God because he first loved us. That's 1 John 4, verse 19. His love has been poured into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. Now, Paul does not mean that everything that happens to Christians will be good. The idea is that God uses both good and evil events to produce 
an ultimately good outcome on our behalf. That outcome is our perfect reflection of Christ's holy character and preparation for our hope beyond this world. Now, all who answer the call to salvation will become conformed to the image of Christ in holiness. Now, as Christians, we are to be imitators of Christ. 1 John 2 and 6. We should imitate the love and humility of Christ. Paul explains that God determined to accomplish this in in advance. We were redeemed to become like his son. Paul described the redemption process in four stages. Number one, believers are chosen by God. God predetermined that he would enter into a relationship with us. He did not wait for us to choose him. Instead, God made the first move and chose us. Number two, God called us into salvation through the gospel. Now, the gospel message requires a response from those who hear it. Number three, those who hear and respond in faith are justified. The term justified refers to someone being declared righteous. In addition addition to having our sins forgiven, believers are made righteous in the sight of God by being credited with Christ's own righteousness. Now finally, believers will be glorified. This final stage will not happen in the present life. On the last day, believers will receive a glorified body when we are resurrected to meet Christ. Now, the redeemed to be victorious, which is talked about in Romans 8, 31 and 39, the last section of the chapter, is a celebration of our victory and security in Christ. Because God provided everything believers needed, both for living his life and for their attaining their final redemption. Now, with God on our side, nothing can prevail against us. Paul provides plenty of evidence to ensure believers of their security in Christ. First of all, God spared no cost in purchasing our salvation. He was willing to sacrifice his own son to redeem us. This is clear indication that God is fully invested in our salvation. Now, since we are made righteous by God, there can be no further charges of sin or wrong against us. Christians do not have to worry about being condemned before God in judgment. Past sins have been washed away. Now, if we sin after salvation, God has provided forgiveness and restoration. 1 John 1, verse 9. Most important, we have Christ as a heavenly mediator and intercessor on our behalf. Now, God's love for believers is unconditional. Nothing can separate us from the love of Christ or from the love of God in Christ. Now, the trouble and persecution we experience on earth does not change God's love for us. Trials are never an indication that God has abandoned us. Suffering is inevitable for faithful Christians. Through it all, Paul declares that believers are completely victorious, literally super conquerors, and that's Romans 8.37. The term described as surpassing triumph 
The image is of a conquering army that completely dominates their enemy. There is no doubt of our victory in Christ. We are completely victorious in Christ. So, in conclusion of this lesson, the analogy of a new home is often used to illustrate God's work of salvation. God the Father is the architect who designed the building. Jesus the Son implements the design. The Holy Spirit furnished the home and makes it livable. The strength of the analogy is that it shows our salvation is a deliberate event. God preplans every aspect of our redemption. God also predetermined that we should be victorious in Christ. Victory means we are overcome all obstacles that are against us. We overcome temptation to sin and the evil devices of Satan intended to make us stumble. Victory also means we are successful in accomplishing God's will and advancing his kingdom. We are equipped and ready to do the good work God pre-planned for us to do. Our victory is not echoed out by a hair's breath. So, this concludes the lesson, and in next week's lesson, we will examine God's sovereignty in election. And before I close out, I want to share some practical points with you. God controls everything we can trust him to work things out for our good and his glory. And that is so true. If we continue to trust God, he will work everything out for us. God is all-knowing and he intimately knows every person he saves. Through God's power, we cannot be defeated. We cannot be condemned for our sins because Jesus intercedes for us. We can triumph over any circumstance through Christ. And lastly, number six, the Lord will sustain us through every obstacle and trial. So know this, all things work together. And just know that we are victorious. And if God be for us, who can be against us? I want to thank you so much for taking this time to listen to this morning Sunday School podcast. And again, we here at New Fellowship Missionary Baptist Church, the place where love abides, our pastor, Pastor Dontel Hall Sr. is our pastor. And again, thank you so much for taking the time to listen to the Sunday School lesson. And may God bless you and heaven smile upon you. Enjoy your day.